In this episode of Prepare Them for Launch, we are blessed to sit with two amazing therapists who just happen to be a husband and wife power duo. Join us for this important conversation as they help us further understand what young people are battling today. Well, welcome, Leah and Matt. We're so excited to have you. I don't know if many of our listeners know, but I at one point in my life thought I was going to be a therapist. And so that's how I came to know Leah. Um, And she's married the amazing Matt Heim. And um, I just really loved Leah and her uh, way that we related in school. And so um, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today to talk about really some pretty heavy topics. So I would love it if you guys would just introduce yourselves and then we'll jump into anxiety anxiety today. Yeah. So like Natalie said, I was at school with Natalie getting my master's in clinical psychology. So um, that was my degree and then went on to be a licensed marriage and family therapist. And I'd, I'd say you work with a lot more clients than I do. I, I am um, I'm doing some teaching in the Biola MFT program. I've been doing more administration and working as a, a director of clinical training at a large uh, nonprofit organization, counseling center, um, and I'm currently working, developing another nonprofit, um, as well as my past being in family law and being an attorney working with couples, uh, or not couples, working with individuals that are trying to kind of uh, separate out their their marriage and their, their child custody situation. So I come from that into, um, into the therapy world and, and trying to help before we get to that point. Thank you, Matt and Leah, for sharing that. Uh, just to give a quick synopsis of what we'll be talking about for the for this episode and the next episode, we will be talking about two major topics facing teens today. That though the content may be a little heavy, it is definitely important for us to hear and understand. I totally agree, AJ, you're right. And today's topic is pretty heavy, but something that we've been hearing a lot as we've been talking to parents and to kids is this sense of anxiety, um, this overarching sense of anxiety. And uh, in our episode with Marisha, she talked a lot about social anxiety reemerging after COVID. So I would love for you guys to just talk about anxiety, maybe explain what it is, um, some signs that parents can see in their kids, and the difference between anxiety and stress. Yeah, there's a there's a definition I really like. I don't know if it's like the official kind of like psychological definition of stress or overstress, but it's basically that the difficulties that you're experiencing in life you don't have enough resources, either internal or external, to be able to overcome those. So there's just literally, like if you think of an object that's put under stress in like physics, there's like this tension of it possibly breaking. So being at a point where what I'm experiencing in life, you know, where normally like, let's say somebody's really overwhelmed by a test, if they have the internal and external resources, meaning internally, they're like, okay, I know I can do this. I know I'm capable. And let's say they have encouragement and they have studying and their teacher's really solid. That's going to be enough to be able to overcome the stress that they're experiencing for the test. If it's something where it feels really overwhelming and they don't have that support or they don't feel good about themselves, that's where it starts to get into the territory of they don't have enough support to be able to overcome the stress that they're experiencing, which is then when we're dipping much more into anxiety, where it's depending on the level of anxiety and kind of the focus, if it's social anxiety or fear of something or just kind of generalized anxiety, overall, it's just excessive worry that's affecting daily life, where 
now things that felt really simple or at least, yeah, if it's something that's temporarily stressful where they can get over it or they can get through it, it's just kind of this chronic ongoing experience of this is inhibiting my ability to function. This is so overwhelming. It's kind of overtaking everything. And I know for a lot of kids, when they get that anxious, it's a complete shutdown. So you'll see grades start to fall. You'll see doors continue to be shut that used to always be open. And I think parents, that could be a a trigger warning for parents is when um, normal things for your children start to be something that's too um, unbearable for them to do simple things like cleaning up their room. I mean, for this process that my daughter's been through in her anxiety and her depression, her room has been an absolute disaster. She just cannot get the energy up to clean her room. And the worse it gets, the worse it makes her feel too. And so it's those things that seem like normal teenager stuff, like a dirty room, that's just, you know, normal teenager behavior. But when it's, she can't get the room clean because she can't get the energy in her soul to be able to get up and clean it. That I think is super important for parents to realize too. Yeah. I think the the word that kind of uh, comes up for me is this idea of durability. Um, sometimes, and you brought up, Leah brought up the, the, uh, an object, if it's kind of stressed, it gets to a point where it's about to break. And I think that's where I think a lot of kids, teenagers don't really recognize how durable they can be. And sometimes we don't realize where that breaking point actually is. And, and I, the image that came to my mind was a, a rubber band, like you regular rubber band, then you start stretching it, stretching it, and it's putting it under a different kind of stress. And then you stretch it enough, it will break. And it's kind of like that for for, for kids and, and students and teenagers. It's like they've gone through so much, and in their mind, they don't realize where where that breaking point is. And for us as family members, friends, uh, parents, we have to be able to see the signs of them being stretched, 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 stretched until they hit that breaking point. And then that's when you kind of not necessarily react, but kind of be proactive in that where you can kind of come to their, to their side, to their aid and help them in that process of, all right, we, I know that. And just like Natalie was talking about with Mariah, like, I know that you're, you're feeling differently you're uh, now you're at a breaking point where you don't have the energy to do the simple tasks like homework or cleaning your room. But now I can help you kind of come out of that and realize how we can mend you back together in, in those moments. And I think that's what therapy is really good for as well. So yeah, I, I think the word that comes up is durability. I think that's very helpful. One of the things I've noticed too, is that Anxiety has become like this buzz buzzword. AJ and I talk a lot about like TikTok. Well, anxiety is like all over TikTok. And so it could be a word that is just fluid in, in teen speak right now. How can parents peel apart when it's just a word that they've heard and they're, it's resonating with them and when their kids are actually feeling anxiety? Is there a way that they can notice the difference between? So if their child comes to them and says, oh, I'm feeling so anxious today. I have this test. Obviously, you know, based on what you guys said, maybe it's just that they don't have the right internal dialogue to be able to process through the stress of that test. But when your kid comes to you and they're feeling anxious, how one can parents handle that conversation? And then two, how can they recognize if it is anxiety or if it is um, maybe just stress and they can um, guide them through that too? Yeah. When you, when you think about any kind of you know, like when you talk about psychology and you talk about disorders, you know, there's a lot of talk about like, you know, when is it like, obviously it's, it's a normal human experience to feel anxious about something, right? Like I am anxious, like you were saying about this, this test that's coming up. 
it starts to cross over into the territory of, oh, we need to be able to notice this and kind of treat it, but it's all on a spectrum, um, I think. And so there's going to be an experience where before it would get to the point where somebody might get diagnosed like with an actual kind of anxiety disorder, there's going to be signs often before it gets to that point because they're starting to really, really struggle to be able to cope with everyday stressors. And so if teens are coming to their parents and they're at a point where they're saying, you know, I'm, I'm really anxious or I have so much anxiety about this. It's so important for the parents to be attuned enough to their child to know their child enough that they know when something's off and it's outside of the norm, knowing that, okay, yeah, they normally deal, you know, with stress this way or they deal with anxiety this way. But if it's kind of this pattern where it's starting to get more and more difficult and we're entering into the territory of, oh, I know this isn't normal for my child though. And I know my child well enough that I'm being able to notice these signs where if their child's coming to them and they're saying, oh, I'm anxious, the parent is at a place, hopefully, where they're noticing, you know what, I have noticed already that my child's been struggling over time and what they're saying is matching what my experience of them is. Um, so I don't know if you want to speak to that too. Yeah. I think, um, you know, uh, part of being trained as a therapist, part of sitting with people over and over and over, uh, you know, hour after hour, day after day is you're developing, um, a, a certain part of your brain, which is called uh, your mirror neurons, your ability to look at another person see their facial expressions, their body posture, their tone of voice, and you start to have an emotional response to that that is intended to mirror what that person is feeling. And that's something that we all have the ability to do. Some of us literally focus on it and it's our job. Some of us, we're just aware of it as we go through our day. Some of us, our jobs or our lives have put us in a position where we're shutting that down and we're really trying not to feel that. Um, but that I think is, is a really key thing that's just building off of what you're saying, Leah, is um, when, when my child comes to me, what am I feeling? And if I'm aware of what I'm feeling, and then I might be able to be able to connect, oh, I was in a great mood and I was enjoying my day. And then my child comes in with a question about homework and all of a sudden I'm feeling like tense and I'm feeling tightened up and I'm almost getting a little frustrated. Well, what if that's not your feeling? Maybe, but maybe that's actually you're feeling your child. And that's a, an incredible indicator because kids their brains are developing and they are not reliable to be able to say how they actually feel most of the time. Now there's different ages that changes, but most kids, you know, from very young up until into, into their teens, for sure, their ability to pinpoint, this is the emotion that I'm having. And this is the word that describes that emotion. Not so great. And so asking them is helpful. It helps them practice. But actually, as the adult, we have to kind of take in, okay, what do I feel from you? Let me help you put words to those feelings because I'll feel them with you. I have a deep connection with, with my daughter, Mariah, all my kids, really. And I do. I feel, you're right, as a parent, I think that mirror, is it in your brain? That's how you said mirror. <laughs> that mirror ability with your kids is almost instinctual. So when your kids are coming to you, and, and I told AJ this too, that when your kids are coming to you with anxiousness or you're getting that feeling, initially you're like, I'm a parent, I'm going to fix it mode turns on. And then you're starting to ramp up. The kids are starting to ramp up. And then there's 
there's no connection and there's no healing. What is the best way to respond to that when your kid comes to you and you're starting to feel those mirrored emotions? Yeah. So I, uh, uh, Dan Siegel is a you know prominent author talking about parenting, the brain, interpersonal neurobiology, which is a big long phrase, but it's, <laughs> it's about how our brains interact relationally with other brains. And um, something that he says in in one of his books, is, uh, the Parenting from the Inside Out is the name of it, but he talks about parents and the, the value of parents knowing their story and knowing what's going on for them emotionally. How do I have a narrative for what I'm feeling and what my story has been and how I react to things? And parents that do that work and have that are then in a position that he actually says there's research on the correlation between parents that have that and children that are thriving. And so he says there's a lot more, we need to do a lot more research on why and some of the details of that, but they already are seeing the correlation between parents that know themselves well and have emotional awareness of themselves, that being so valuable to kids. So the, to kind of get to more of an actual answer to what you're saying, um, if, a, if my child comes to me and I'm starting to feel that, I need to know what how I respond to anxiety. Mm. What do I do when I'm feeling my own, when I'm at work or I'm out getting stuck in traffic or what am I doing? Because whatever I'm doing, that's the limit of what I can offer my child. And so what? where can I learn? Where can I grow in that? Because, um, you know, same guy, Dan Siegel, he says, you don't have to be a perfect parent. You don't have to get it right all the time but we got to get a right enough. And he puts it somewhere between 30 and 40% of the time so that they get to see that model. They get to see that example along with a bunch of other ones, but they will then use that to develop their own ways. They're going to be similar, but different to us as their parents. Um, but as we show them a way that works, they can use that and they can, they can build off of that. So the more that I know how to handle anxiety within myself, the more I can offer that and model it to them. So then they have the tools, they have the pieces, they have an example to work off of for themselves internally. And I think that's such a gift of having kids too, is that they bring so much of um, who we are and what we're capable mm -hmm. of out in us, mm -hmm. right? And so you, we laughed earlier because we were talking about how I said, I'm such a well-adjusted human. <laughs> but when you have kids, you start to realize that there's parts of you that still need repair. Oh, and yeah. so it's mm -hmm. not just, um, you know, maybe you're in that moment, you're having a hard time getting them through the anxiety because you're feeling it yourself recognize that acknowledge it and get better at it i think is really what what i'm hearing you say because then the next time they come to you with that feeling and that emotion you'll be better equipped to handle it yeah yeah i, I think sometimes parents like you were saying in, in the best of intentions want to go straight into fix it mode so like, i'm anxious about this i'm anxious okay and then the thought is let's go the quote unquote easy route. I'm the parent. I should know what to do. Let's figure out how to fix it. And then you'll be fine and you're good. Um, and often what I'll tell parents is it's not to say that going to problem solving is bad. It's just not the first thing we want to go to. So whether the child is younger or older, absolutely the first priority is connection and that child being able to know that they're safe and that they're loved and that the parent is you know, in control and can take care of them and can meet them with where they're at. Um, and so, and that starts so young, like even, you know, sometimes the example I'll use is, you know, if there's a, 
a child, and I don't know where where I'd heard this, but I I really loved it. Um, there's a child that's really little at like a kid's birthday party, and there's like a clown or a little character that walks in, and the parent looks over at this child, and the child's eyes are big, and they're kind of freaking out <laughs> about what's <laughs> happening. The parent has a few different options of what they could do at that point, and so, you know, some parents will look and they'll be like oh they're fine you know they'll they'll get over it some parents will like rush over and you know like take them away and run them off and some parents will kind of like maybe even you know honestly like push them closer kind of laugh about it and be like oh they're just being you know wimpy um but truly at that age for it to start where the parent is attuned enough to know oh I can go over I can pick the child up I can they know they're safe I can wave I can say oh let's see are they friendly just the the child doesn't even realize it but what they're picking up on is they're picking up on your slower rate of breathing on your calmness they're already able to start what they call co-regulation like you're really co-regulating with your child to get them to the point where they also have mirror neurons they are picking up on your emotions and how you're handling it and so the next time they're at like a birthday party and or something scary happens they don't even realize it but their brain is already taking what they experienced before and allowing them to be able to calm down and cope with the fear anxiety they're experiencing and so that happens really young but it's never too late to start that co-regulation process with kids where they realize their safety and being able to know oh I can talk to my parent about this and they're not, yeah, they're not going to ramp up or freak out or make the problem bigger. They're going to be able to stay with me in it um, to be able to get through it. I think the beautiful thing of what I'm hearing is it's never too late um, and we can still grow as people and as parents. And so as we're loving our kids through these things, such as anxiety, um, we're learning about ourselves. We're developing our mirror neurons. And it doesn't matter if our kids are five or if our kids are 15 or 25. That still is a skill that we can build in ourselves and in our kids. And so um, it might be harder as the kids get older. Like in Mariah's case, it wasn't enough for me to mirror her. She needed to see a therapist in order to have somebody else mirror that as well. And so I think um, it's important to ask for help when you need help too. Um, so if your kids are younger and you're listening, definitely these are skills that you can start to develop in them now. But if your kids are older and you're developing these skills, it might be okay to ask for help and to ask your kids if they're willing to get help too. One of the things um, that I noticed is sort of what I call Mariah's anxiety fallout. For, for a lot of parents, that's so difficult, especially for teenagers. I think one of the biggest things for teenagers is that their parents aren't the biggest thing in their lives. Like at, at a very at about 13 or, or 14, they start looking to other people. They start looking to their friends becoming that become the bigger person in their lives. And, and it's hard when their friends aren't necessarily empathetic in everything they're doing. Most of the time they're sympathetic sometimes, uh, but it becomes really hard when when they're having episodes or they're feeling a certain type of way and their friends aren't feeling that and they could care less of how they're feeling. And so kids are coming home with that. They're coming home with friends not caring about what they're feeling because they're dealing, their friends are dealing with so many other things as well. And so the parents also have to like be empathetic in that realizing like, Hey, my voice isn't going to be the loudest. Just like uh, Natalie was sharing that, like for her, like there needed to be a therapist to kind of be the voice of reason for Mariah. And a lot of cases like friends become the the loudest voice or the voice of reason for them. And sometimes that's where you see students or kids or teenagers going down a wrong path because they're looking for 
other avenues other than their parents. And so I think this sheds some light of like, okay, we have to sit back and understand what we can do. How do we feel when we're dealing with things like this? And then also be very uh, cognizant of other people in their lives. Like you're not going to know everything about your child's friends, but you can be cognizant of how they might interact with with your child as well. So I think those these are really good steps for parents to really look and sit back and realize like, okay, how do I feel in this situation? What's happening in their lives? Who are they talking to? Who is also being an influence in their lives? And these are ways that we can kind of interact with them in the, in the midst of their episodes or their problems or, or uh, maybe anxiety disorders if they have that as well. One of the things that I'm really grasping onto in this talk is to just keep your heart and your mind open to be able to learn and grow as a parent too. Um, you guys have given us such great tips in just dealing with anxiety, and I'm just so thankful for that, and I think our parents will be too. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Yeah, we're super excited to jump into this next topic. But until then, we're journeying with you, praying for you, and walking beside you and your family in love.